all ninjas, calling all ninjas. It's time for Lime Ninja Radio. Today on Lime Ninja Radio. It's funny because everybody's like, you have to pick a niche. You know, you have to just help animals or you have to just help people. And I'm like, no, I, I don't do that. I help both. <laughs> so um, so that's, that's just me. This podcast is sponsored by the Lime Ninja Symptom Tracker. I'm so excited to tell you about our new Lyme Ninja Symptom Tracker. One of the things I hear over and over again, whether it's talking to a patient in my office or consulting over the phone with a client, is just how difficult it is to keep track of progress on their Lyme journey. Recording symptoms daily or even weekly gives them too many data points. There are so many ups and downs, twists and turns that at some point they get lost and confused. The Lyme Ninja Symptom Tracker takes all the guesswork out of tracking symptoms with a simple monthly questionnaire. Once a month is the perfect interval to see if that new supplement or protocol is working. Right now, when you take the Symptom Tracker questionnaire, we give you a simple composite score for the month. But we have big plans and the data you enter will not be lost as we roll out new features. Best of all, it's free. Just head on over to LimeNinjaRadio.com slash tracker and sign up. That's LimeNinjaRadio.com slash tracker. You'll be glad you did. Join us every Thursday on iTunes for the latest episode of Lime Ninja Radio. Hello, I'm your host and acupuncturist McKay Rippey, and this is episode number 189 with the founder of the Pond Brook Holistic Health Horse and Herb Farm, Monica Bruin. Also, welcome our show producer and the brains behind Lime Ninja Radio, Aurora. Hello. And in this episode, you will learn why Monica Bruin created a horse rescue, Monica's own Lyme journey from patient to practitioner, and the best way to tell if a scientific study is junk or not. Thanks, Aurora. As you all know, Lyme disease is an international problem. Each week we have listeners join us from all over the world. And this past week, we have listeners join us from Kenya to Korea and from Slovakia to Saudi Arabia. Also, a big thanks to all you longtime Lyme ninjas. Aurora and I really appreciate you listening. And we'd also like to welcome all the new listeners out there. Welcome to Lyme Ninja Radio. We're glad you tuned in. And speaking of tuning in, here's this week's top 10 tune-in cities. Starting at number 10 is New York, New York. Number 9, Stockton, California. Number 8, Duluth, Minnesota. Number 7, Brisbane, Australia. Number 6, Orange, New Jersey. Number 5, Sacramento, California. Number 4, Endicott, New York. Number 3, Bettendorf, Iowa. Number 2, Oliver, Canada. And number 1 this week is Palmer, Massachusetts. If you like what we're doing here at Lime Ninja Radio, share this interview with a friend. We'd really appreciate it. And if you really like what we're doing, head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. And if you really, really like what we're doing, consider becoming a Lime Ninja patron. Just head on over. Just head on over. Don't trip over your words. Just head on over to our new homepage, www.limeninjaradio.com, and look for the Patreon link. All right, Aurora, tell us a little bit about this week's guest, Monica Bruin. Monica Bruin helps people and animals improve their quality of life with an integrated approach to wellness that uses her background in clinical research, mathematical statistics, 
as an herbalist, a functional diagnostic nutritionist, a Hashimoto's practitioner, a heart math practitioner, and a holistic lifestyle coach. She says on her website that she was able to get her life back from Lyme disease when she began to trust herself and her body's ability to heal using a holistic approach, and now brings that to her practice. Thanks, Aurora, and here's our interview with Monica Bruin. Hello, Monica. This is McKay Rippey from Lime Ninja Radio. Hi, it's wonderful. Wonderful to talk to you today. Yes, I'm very excited. Now, when I first went on your website, I saw several things, but what caught my eye is your logo. And when I looked at it closely, I realized, hey, that's three horseshoes up there. <laughs> yeah, actually, it's pretty cool. I love my logo, by the way. Um, it's kind of three horseshoes in the shape of um, like a Celtic herbal healer. So how cool is that? No, no normal person would know that. <laughs> um, so why? Yeah, the- what's your connection and love of horses? Uh, I started um, a horse rescue farm with my husband and my family a few years ago. I've, you know, had horses and a love of animals my entire life. So I've been helping and involved with, like, healing animals my entire life. So when I finally got well enough and, you know, able to actually afford to do this, um, that was one of the first things that, that that I did when we moved to in Newtown, Connecticut. So we started a, a horse rescue farm. We live on it. And all of the proceeds like from my practice go to this horse rescue farm. So we like go and take horses from the slaughterhouse. And yeah, they're in pretty bad shape. <laughs> the people are like, why do you do this? You know? I don't know. I think I do it because it's like it reminds me of me when I was like sick in the hospital and pretty much half dead. And you know, it's like somebody has to help them just like somebody has to help people so i i kind of look at you know i help dogs it's funny because everybody's like you have to pick a niche you know you have to just help animals or you have to just help people and i'm like no i I don't do that i help both (laughs) um so that's that's just me so we've been able to successfully save i guess in the last five years about yeah nine nine horses from the slaughterhouse so um, and I can tell you that eight of them, I was told directly, flat out, put down, you know, put these horses down, um, or like, you, you know, even, even dogs, we have four rescue dogs, uh, St. Bernard, a shepherd, a large dog, by the way, <laughs> he's, he's 216 pounds, he's the love of my life, Buford, um, but I have a shepherd, and I have a mastiff, and I have Duke, which I can't identify what Duke is, actually. But again, like they were over vaccinated and hurt and um was told that they needed uh, double hip replacements and double knee replacements and uh didn't do any of those things and didn't do any of the things like didn't put the horses down and all I can tell you is like using holistic methods and herbal medicine and nutrition and different types of lifestyle things, all of these animals are fine. Uh no surgery, they're all fine, so so I don't want to give them part up because <laughs> I think I'm good at it, and um, and and I it's like part of who I am. So so as much as everybody's like, you gotta you gotta pick that niche, and I'm like, yeah, no. So 
So I'm I'm gonna fight that one. And and it's like I said, it's like part of who I am and I've been doing it since I was a little kid. So um my parents, you know, and my I lived like I should mention, I lived I grew up in Yonkers and I I still have that accent. And I and I uh, was raised with like my great grandparents and my grandparents and my parents all in the same house, which you know in this day and age sounds really really strange, but like how wonderful was that for me? You know, like and yes, off the boat Italian, like didn't speak English and the whole nine yards, but like I was like three and like foraging for mushrooms and learning all about herbs and and like you know, what was actually food that could be used as medicine as a, as a little kid. So, you know, like, now I, I consider myself, like, so blessed to have had them in my life, and my God, do I miss them, <laughs> you know? But it definitely shaped, like, who who I became and who I am now, you know, obviously, along with the other lovely things that jump up in everyone's life. Um I, you know, I am a program chair at the University of Maryland. So I, I, you know, I went down from Yonkers, like, for, for graduate school um, to get, you know, a Ph.D. in mathematical statistics and, and, uh, and started working for, like, NASA and then NIH for a very long time as a clinical trials expert and program director and so I did the whole Western medicine thing. Like I've worked on asthma medicine and name it, like breast implants and heart valves and did all kinds of stuff with FDA. And so I have a huge clinical research background, like which I think is a huge asset regardless of what medicine practice like you're into, whether it's, you know, herbal medicine or supplements or any, like, because I re- research the crud out of every single thing that I do and, and, you know, try to find like, what is like the safest and the most useful. And it's like the techie geek part of me. Um, my husband at the time was like relocated. I guess I was down there for like 16 years, um, was relocated to Connecticut and I guess it was around 2005. Um, and I immediately, yeah, you can hear the dogs, I immediately got bit by ticks, but I never knew anything about Lyme disease. No one told me. You can say, like, you did all of that, like, clinical trial work and, and all of this stuff. And I, I never knew anything about Lyme. Um, so the minute I got here, you know, I'm gardening and doing all of these things. Of course, I got bit. And I got sick pretty much right away. Um, but I didn't know what it was. and. You know, I, I literally had like three jobs at one point. I, I was like working at as the at the university and teaching and actually even when I came here, they were like, Do you wanna take over the online courses? And I'm like, Yeah. They're like, You have the programming background, you can do it and I was like, Okay, you know <laughs> so, <laughs> so okay. now now it's so different because now you don't have to program anything. Now it's like you just get on there and you know, and it's pretty yeah. straightforward. It's a lot of it template, re- right? Yeah, it doesn't require all this programming stuff, which okay. is nice. I want I want to pause there because you bring up in your history, your your experience, your resume, your vitae, three at least three questions. I, I hope I remember them all. 
that I'm I'm very curious about. And then we can go into your Lyme story and 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 what happened sure. after that. So let's rewind a little bit here. So recently I subscribed to a email newsletter called Retraction Watch. Okay. Are, are you familiar with that? No. It's a small project that the one is a scientist and the other is a science writer and they're just keeping track of kind of the fraud that's out there. <laughs> and, uh, and and fraud, they really kind of focus on that as opposed to just people, you know, sometimes the study's flawed, right? And people make right. honest mistakes. But there's also right. flat out fraud out there. Like there's a Oh, cute. Yeah, yeah. and w- which is which is I don't know if that's something new or New meaning with even the past 20, 30 years, or it's always been there and people just kind of, it got swept under the rug or just wasn't available to look at. So with that, you know, can you comment on the process of sciences? Because we all, we're, we're primed as human beings to pay attention to what's new and exciting. But what's new and exciting isn't science yet. No, no, it's not, it's not new. So I will tell you it's not new. So the idea of like writing in journals and, you know, basically we call it junk science. It's it's not new. It's one of the things I try to teach people. Like, first of all, I teach people for a living, you know, to, to analyze those things. But I also teach like my clients and the people that follow me, like what to look for when they're reading like inserts and because they're bombarded by clinical trials all the time and they have no idea. They just make the assumption like, oh, it's a clinical trial. It was done, you know, and it's it's good, you know, and it's like, oh, no, you know, <laughs> you're like, no, actually, it's not good. Um, and I did a lot of stuff like, you know, even advocacy stuff and even like, like people hired me when I was in Washington, D.C., like all the time on both sides of the fence to, you know, to go after that kind of science. And I'm really good at it, actually. Um, on what to look for. It is definitely more prevalent right now. It is becoming, uh, I hate to say that, but more widespread. Um, why that is, I don't have a nice answer for that. So, um, <laughs> so I'll, try to, I'll try to not go why I think that's happening, but definitely that it is happening. So what's like, the so biggest you'll... red flag um, that people can like see? Things like sample size. Okay. That, that, that would, that the, the two biggest things that I would tell somebody all the time to look for is actually who paid for the research, number one. Mm-hmm. You know, so you need to know who paid for the research. So if it's a drug trial or something like that, like, you know, was it an independent thing or or did they actually pay for that research? And will that always be listed in the conflicts of interest or can that be buried? It can be buried, but somebody like me can find it. Um, hopefully, you know, it should be somewhere in there. Uh, it may be in very small print at the end, you know, in right. print that you can't even see, but it, it should be in there. Um, you know, things have changed over the years too. The laws have changed regarding like research and what has to be published and when it has to be published. And it was, so it's not your imagination. It was a lot better years ago. And then. Um, the laws changed and it allowed them to take federal money and actually not publish the research results for, for years and to actually make money off of it. And things got kind of ugly. And then things are kind of sort of getting back around, regardless of like 
you know, your political affiliation. I, I don't really care about that. I look in terms of like what's happening in, in terms of like health and education all the time. And I don't really like care about the politics involved. Um, but sample size would be another thing. So again, like you take 20 people, whether it's Lyme or I don't pick anything, arthritis, it doesn't really matter. You know, a study on 20 people that's going to be generalized to the United States or to the world or to whatever is, that's crap science. You know, there's, there's no way you're going to have a sample size of 20 and be able to, to generalize those results. Right. So it's a so, small size like that. Really, what they're doing is testing out uh, even maybe like the lab systems like this is what we're going to test and we're just kind of honing in on what we're going to measure and the, the process of that. And, yeah, but, and, but the person doesn't know that. Uh, the person looks at it in terms of this is this huge, wonderful research study where they found. Well, that's what the headlines say. <laughs> of, course it, of course it does. And, you know, and again, like, why would you think anything different? So it's so, not that like, you know, I don't consider like people aren't like ignorant. They're not, they want to learn. So, and, and you have these people that just, you know, read everything and they're, they're wonderful. They want to get healthy and they want to learn. They just don't know what to look for because they weren't trained for that. And then you have like people that just you graph. That's another classic thing. Like if you look at the axes, you know, the Y, the X and Y axes of a graph and actually look at like what the actual results were versus what you're actually looking at. Like they'll literally take parts of data and not give you the whole picture. Yeah. Like even out of those 20 people, they might only have five people on that graph, you know, or just show a certain number of years or there's all kinds of ways to like, I hate to say it, to like view data and make it look like something that it's not. And so somebody like me with a PhD and, you know, and stats and research methods and stuff can can eat those things alive, but it's it's not the general public. So we all know like how to do that. I would never do that, by the way, but I know and so I know what to look for. So I like kind of train the people that I work with and my students and everybody else on like what to look for. But you are seeing more and more of those things. And they're and they're like the other interesting thing is they're like you're seeing more like journals that never existed before that are actually like from big pharma, like that never existed before. So like people think they're like real important journals because they have real important names, but they're actually journals that are put on by the pharmaceutical industry. No so, kidding. That so I did not know. Yeah. That's even more disturbing. Like, wow. <laughs> right. So it's a, new, like, it's a newsletter masquerading as a journal. Basically. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Okay. So they're just red flags. So yeah. So look at sample size and look at, you know, those would be the two biggest things. And who's look funding it. Size. I don't know who paid for the research. Yeah. Like those are easy things to go for. So now yeah. with, with that, I, so I, I'm one of those junkies from time to time. I'll just go <laughs> and see what's out there. And one of the problems as a layperson is they don't have access to the full article. All I have access to is the abstract. So I have a friend who's in academia and she's very kind and I'll send her the information and she'll send back the article. Is there right. any way for a layperson like me to get access to that? Can we do that through a library? I'm, I'm, I feel Pub, bad about bothering her all the time. PubMed is probably the easiest 
way to to get most articles. Mm -hmm. Um, Some things you can't get. Some things you can, you know, you're still going to have to go to somebody like me or your friends, you know, to actually dig them out. Um, or they make you pay a fee or something, Yeah, you know, and those are usually the, the ones that are put off, put out by chemical companies or pharmaceutical companies. Sometimes, you know, they, they're not as easy to get to, but you can get them. You know, there's a lot of research and a lot of information that's even just on the CDC and FDA websites, but it's buried. You know, like things about vaccines and VARES and all kinds of stuff. And like I always tell people, like when they're taking an antibiotic or anything for that matter, like get the insert, like whether it's a vaccine or a, I don't know, pick one, a doxy, you know, which yeah. is get the insert, read the insert, like the entire insert, by the way. So even if they don't understand the clinical trials that are in the middle, like the whole insert, just try to get through the whole insert because like in the beginning, they'll talk about like common, you know, common things that may happen. Yeah. Yeah, But then you have contraindications and then you have things at the end that are like, okay, here are, here are some other things that we found, you know, and they're horrible, you know, (laughs) and there's a lot of them and like people don't ever get to like the fifth page. And I'm like, always like get through the whole insert, even if you don't understand what you're, you're talking about, you know, that's, that's where my, you know, people from my, uh, my classes that I've taken from my certifications, like they know, like, oh, Monica's a clinical trial geek, you know, so they'll, They'll read something and they're like, Mike, I don't understand this. Please, like, break this down in English. And right. so that's like one thing I'm, I'm good at. I'm like, all right, it's telling you this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, what you want to do with that. And that's your choice. So I, I never really, you know, knock anybody for making any kind of a decision. I just want them to be educated so that they can make that decision. And I find that that's not the case even with something as simple as a vaccine. Again, not pro, not con, just make sure Full that information. you it and you understand it. And then you have the right to make the decision, you know, so that you know what you're talking about. Like how many, how many inserts have you been given for a vaccine? Like, I don't know, in my life, none. And, you know, and then I ask for it and then they think I'm insane. Well, they do. Um, and yeah. then, and then they go scrambling because they can't find them because nobody's ever asked for them. <laughs> well, not only have they ever asked for them, I don't think the physicians have ever read them. No. So, you know, you have, you have that on top of it. You know, well, did it, you ever read the insert? You know? it, it, <laughs> it, no, they're, they're following the guidelines that are given to them. If they read everything they had to prescribe, they wouldn't have any time to see patients. They'd probably never prescribe anything. They were <laughs> well, there's that too. So the person has to be educated. So yes. I'm, I'm like, I'm really, and, and that empowers you, you know, so instead of following all of these things, you now have your own knowledge and you can make your own decisions. And when that happens, you become empowered. You don't feel lost. You know, you don't feel hopeless. You kind of, because at some point you lose control and you just follow all these things because you think these people have, you know, your best interest. In. And I'm not saying that, that they don't, but like, you know, most of these people that walk in have 15 minutes in the doctor's right. office, don't get an insert, don't get any kind of education and just do whatever they say. And we both know they don't get well. So, and then they end up with people like us years later that have 
all kinds of damage from all kinds, you know, it's just, it's sad, basically. So I want to stop that, like, from the beginning. Like, like, okay, do this so that you never get to that point, you know? That's a great mission. Okay, third big picture thing. So I I did remember it. Now, I'm always (laughs) fascinated in speaking with people who start out with, and I'm going to say engineering, although you're not really quite an engineer, but like your mathematics, like a science background and a, not a medical science background right. because you all think differently. You were initially <laughs> trained differently. And right. so you come at medicine like from a systems point of view. And, yeah. you know, I've, I've been saying this and I think it you'll understand this. So our health at, we're, we're complex and not complex, like complicated, but complex, like mathematically complex. Right. But it's, right. so people want to think of things linearly, right. like a causes B causes C all the way down to Z or Z. Right. If you're British and listen to this <laughs> and right. really it's, it's a web. In matter of fact, one of the most uh, recently written books about acupuncture is, is by Ted Kapchak. Well, anyway, this is actually 30 years old, but he wrote a book called The Web That Has No Weaver. So I meant recently versus like 2000 years old. <laughs> and, right. you know, health is, 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 is this web that's interrelated and there are nodes where you can get more impact from. But this whole idea that, you know, okay, we're going to track down things to, you know, one genetic n- mutation, one SNP, or one, crazy. Yeah, I know. you know, one crazy. one type yeah. of nutrient or something like that, and then yeah. that's going to be the thing. Or even prescribing like one, you know, I'm going to take this herb protocol. You know, yeah, yeah, one or, protocol for every single person it, that has Lyme. Yeah. Exactly. So, so against that. So no, I know exactly what you're saying. So, so and it is a different way of looking at things. So how do you, like, you how do you speak about this in simple terms? Because I'm trying to figure out a way and. Kind of web. You do that for yourself, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, well, acupuncture would be a perfect example of exactly what you're saying, um, and we see it all the time. Like we see, you know, and it's even within the holistic range, you know, um, place too. So it's it's not just in Western medicine. Oh, like, absolutely so not. It's it's we want we Chinese want- herbs, or you'll see Ayurvedic, or you'll see whatever, and they're not blended together. So you you have a lot of different it's still compartmentalized and it should not be. So you know that as an acupuncturist, I know that just from the way that I think. So you are right. It is coming from a place of like the way that I think. Um, You know, I I don't like, you know, it's just as simple as your head's attached to your foot somehow, you know, like (laughs) you don't have to go to like, it's amazing though. Like you have to go to this person for this and this person for this. And it's like, no, you you know, everything is interconnected. Everything like your, your emotions, you know, negative draining emotions, like can be linked back to like, you know, this linked back to what organ, you know, what meridian, what, you know, like, Anger is associated with your liver. So you're looking or looking at somebody's eyes, for example, and looking at, you know, it's the white part, the scar of their eyes white. If it's not white, you know, you're, you're all of these signs and symptoms are all, and they are complicated in some way, but it's also fascinating in some way how everything is so interrelated and how it's supposed to work together, you know, in this perfect harmony in balance and that's the whole thing is like to get 
someone in balance. And that's like what you're focused at. And that's what I'm focused at. But it is like, you know, the way that I see it and the way you're right, the way that I was initially trained, you know, as a mathematician, like, I don't see things in a straight line. Like you take this drug, you get better. You take this protocol, you get better. Like, you know, every single, you have this SNP, you have to take, you know, this specific type of methylation and you know, vitamin and you'll be back. No, it doesn't work like that. You know, first of all, the, it, it might not even be turned on. You, you know what I mean? So it's, it, it is very complicated and you have to kind of take all of those things into consideration, which is why I won't like, I won't work with someone in like a canned protocol. I'm like vehemently against it. Every single person is unique and I have to figure out like what, what makes them tick? What is so unique about them? What is going on with them? Just like you do, you know, it's not, it's not like just their nervous system or their adrenals or their gut or, you know, and it, it's a whole combination of things working together. And you have to get all of those things in balance and their immune system in balance. Because ultimately, like you, you soak someone in antibiotics, you're not getting their immune system in balance. You're damaging their gastrointestinal system. They have chronic illness. Their adrenals are slowly going to heck. You both, you know, like we both know that there's, you know, they end up like if they have one autoimmune issue, they're going to end up with another one if they're not treated. And that one might actually be worse than the first one. So it, it is all interrelated. It's, it is difficult to explain that to someone, but it also makes common sense. You know, like you have to understand that one part of your body is actually fully connected to the other part of your body. And, and, and it's not just like I actually look at in terms of emotions and energetics and biochemistry and anatomy like like even just just like you know people say like well what do you think about acupuncture so i think they're amazing and it's a huge part of like getting your autonomic nervous system and getting you back in balance so working with all of like those different type massage therapists like we both know huge like you know you want to get your lymphatic system moving you want you know you want to improve they're they're all related so there's not just like one piece of the puzzle and to assume that there's one piece of the puzzle or to assume that one protocol will work for everyone just really doesn't even make sense like common sense you don't really have to have an engineering background i did start in chemical engineering so you don't, but you know, you don't need to have that background. You just need to trust yourself and and think for yourself. And that's why I think so many people, like you know, they go through the system and they're they're intimidated and they have a lot of fear also. And and people feed off of that fear. And I'll, I that is one thing I I will tell you I hate. I hate when any practitioner of any kind feeds off of the fear of a person. You know, and then all they hear is like they have to be compliant, like like you're a sheep. You know, you don't have to be compliant. You have to ask questions, and you have to be empowered, and you have to be in control of your own body and your own destiny. Compliance. That whole word just kind of like gets on my nerves. <laughs> I guess I've been uncompliant my my whole life. So yeah, I don't like that word. You radical so. you. Now, yeah, and, but yeah, this, Monica went rogue. Yeah, that's this, what I was saying. Monica went rogue. Yeah, she's following her own whatever. 
once you follow your own intuition, though, and you actually think about these in terms of common sense, it's not so, like, you don't need my background. You don't need this, like, PhD and, you know, and be able to see all the kinds of things that I, you know, see in my head, like, in how things are related and blah, blah, blah. You, you just need to trust yourself, ultimately. And I think once you start to give people just some basic education and make them ask questions, once they start asking questions and they start trusting themselves, it's amazing the like how they turn around. You know how like oh you know <laughs> like, wait a minute. So when when did you when did you turn around? Because you started out just in what you're talking about. You got bit by the ticks. You got lots of antibiotics, and oh, then what yeah, happened? I did. I did everything wrong. I did everything wrong, and. So I've always been that kind of person. Like my parents will tell you they dropped me on my head or something as a child. I'm like, yeah, funny mom. You know, I'm I'm always like, why, why, why? You know, that kid that you want to choke. (laughs) Why does this work this way? (laughs) Are you taking it apart? You know, or whatever. Um, Yeah, I remember like going upstate New York. This is how nuts. Like my one of my first memories is like four. I figured I'd take all the salamanders from upstate New York because we had a house upstate New York. And I, like, spent a whole day, like, digging them up, like, in the creek and putting them in this huge Tupperware thing. And I figured, oh, I'm going to bring them back to Yonkers and put them in the stream and they're going to breed. And I'm going to have all these salamanders to play with. Like, this is my this is my brain at four, okay? And, you know, my parents just ignoring me, their weird, lovely child. So they, you know, and I bring all these things home and I set them free. And within like three minutes, they were all dead. The thing was like so contaminated. I was like, I was devastated. (laughs) So um, so I've I've always had that kind of mindset. When I got bit by the tick was, you know, and I'm not going to be able to tell you exactly what tick, you know, (laughs) what what year, what, whatever. I, I, I can tell you the last tick that bit me, you know, was around 2005 that I can remember because I got like 105 fever, um, went down with the ship, you know, went, ended up in the emergency room, got sent home with a virus. You'll love that one. Oh, had an attached tick on me, by the way, had an attached tick on me and still got sent home with a virus. Um, and just, went through unfortunately the hell that most people go through i got to a point where i couldn't walk and i couldn't speak when that happens you no longer have the ability to be the person that i'm telling you to be that questioned person that person that fights for themselves that you are so sick that you know i had encephalitis i I, you know eventually got well I ended up in five hospitals, you know, over the course of like two years. And I had 27 different diagnoses at one point. So when people say like, oh, no, you don't understand what I've been through. Oh, yeah, I do. I got tortured. I don't even like really talking about it. Although everybody's like, you know, it's it's inspirational and it makes everybody know that they can get better. So that's why I talk about it. But it it was horrific. It's kind of like a Frankenstein movie. You know, I, I... what happened? I lost my marriage. I lost my house. I lost my friends. I, you know, uh, oh my God, the pain level, you know, and, and the, you, you can't leave someone in the hospital by themselves, by the way. And that's what happened. You know, 
like my husband at the time didn't even believe Lyme disease existed. They kept telling them that I had, I had every name it and I had it, you know, like I had MS, I had acidosis, you know, I started with fibromyalgia. Then it was, Oh, you know, well, she's just highly intelligent and she's pushed herself too hard. This is stress. You know, like, are you nuts? (laughs) It's not stress. Like I, stand up in Congress, like, and do all this stuff when I was young. Oh, but, but now I'm stressed, you know, in Connecticut, all of a sudden now I'm stressed and I can't function as a human being. Uh, no, that's not the case. But no, no one listened to me. I wrote to the governor. I ended up, like, working with the governor because I couldn't even put my kids on the school bus. Like, I, I had to hire someone to put my kids on the school bus. Like, how devastating. Sad. That, you know, it's, yeah, it's devastating. And all I wanted at that time, all I wanted is I wanted to see like one person that was as sick as I was that got better. Like, mm-hmm. just, just show me one person. Like, and there was no one. There was no one that was as sick as me that got better. So, what turned things around? What was the turning point? Oh, yeah, that would go back to the Sicilian Monica, whatever. Um, you know, so I, I did. I did everything wrong because I didn't have, I didn't have an advocate for me. You know, um, when you get that sick and you have no one, you kind of are at the mercy of who's ever taking care of you or not taking care of you. Or in my case, the system, which was not, not a good thing. You know, like I tell everybody doing, do not ever leave your spouse, child or whatever in the hospital. Like you have to be with them. You need to understand what's being done. And like, I just like the number of spinal taps and, uh, Oh, you know, know, I want to highlight this. Uh, This is a story I heard about, uh, 10, 15 years ago. And even was before then, uh, somebody's uh, mother was put or was grandma put in a local hospital up here. And it was a very simple thing because th- they, they brought into the hospital. She was sick. Somehow they left the window open overnight mm-hmm. and she got sick because she got so chilled and she that, and, yeah. And that's what did her in. So yeah. this idea, you know, th- just like every other part of m- medicine, the the poor folks working in the hospital. I mean, I remember the last time I spent the night with um with uh, my daughter recovering from surgery. Uh, she put her hand through a glass window and got stitched up. And I spent the mm-hmm. night. And I re- so I'm there overnight. And I used to work in in hospitals as an orderly for an MRI. And what was interesting at this time. So this is twenty years later. Is the nurse? It didn't get quiet. These nurses were running around even in the middle of the night, doing all kinds of tests and paperwork. And they're scripted, scheduled 100% of the time, and they just don't have time to nurse anymore. No. No, there's no. no, There's nobody in there doing the nursing. And so you do need a family member to do the nursing. And the nursing is, you know, get the sip of water, get the ice, uh, move the pillows, all all the little things. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and then you don't have the tests done, or if the tests are done, nobody read them, and they get lost, and you just become like it's pretty horrible. To, yeah, to, you know, I I just say God forbid, like you actually have something wrong with you, and you're in the hospital by yourself right yeah. now. You know, the the odds of coming out of there without a hospital acquired infection or or well are, I'm sorry, but they're not good. 
they're just not good. I haven't seen that. And I know what happened to me. Um, I don't know how the heck I got out of those hospitals. You know, I, I just kind of, you know, everybody believes in what kind of higher power at that time. I swear to God, like I, I still to this day, I think my grandmother just kind of watches out for me and my grandparents watch out for me from heaven because somebody, somebody and something wanted me to live, you know, and <laughs> I, cause I shouldn't have, uh, I, I like, you know, someday I'll write a book and it'll say all of the lovely things I went through and none of them are good. Um, it, it is just like a, a horror story. So they sent you home and you know, uh, yeah, this actually, over your the hospital. I did not get sent home. I, I left. Okay. I <laughs> you last, walked out. I got last right. I got last right. Wow. And, and left. I was like, if I'm going to die, I'm not dying here. here. Okay. My children, I'm not dying here. So, so you went home t- literally to die. To die. Yeah. But what happened? Up, what happened? What happened? Because you're not dead. That I, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, I'm like kind of like that weeble, you know. <laughs> you just won't die. Um, yeah. Uh, a friend that I didn't ended up talking to somebody that had Lyme disease. And that woman that I had never met before in my life called me and um, said, like, Monica, I think you have Lyme disease. I didn't even know this woman. I think it was, happens to be one of my best friends 20 years later. Shocking as that may sound. Um, I think you have Lyme disease. And I was like, I, I think I do too, but no one ever listened to me. And um, I ended up calling in a Lyme literate physician, um, you know, who, who all have backups to a year or whatever. Anyway, their wife answered the phone. I was hysterical crying. Um, I told her what happened and she said, honey, could you be here at 10 o'clock in the morning? And a stranger, another stranger, by the way, that I had really hired for, um, uh, helping to put my kids on the school bus, her and her husband ended up taking me to that Lyme literate medical doctor. All I can tell you is within two hours, I was on a pick line and on my way to, you know, being soaked in antibiotics and blah, blah, blah. You know, do I think that helped me initially? I can't really say. Um, I, you know, the journey that I've had has been unbelievable. You know, I did end up leaving that Lyme literate physician. He probably initially saved my life. Um, you yeah, know, so that's the question. Yeah. So, so this is a question I have Having a diagnosis that made sense, was that was that empowering in any way? You know, you would think so. You would think, okay, you finally, like, have a diagnosis, you know, and they sent it to Igenics and Stony Brook and came back, and, you know, I came back off. I, I think to this date I have the highest count of Babesia they've ever seen in the history of the Earth. So Congratulations. Like, oh, yeah. You know, <laughs> that's always good. Um, but yeah, initially it was Lyme, Babesia, and Bartonella. So I used to say, oh, I got the trifecta, you know, because I, I worked at the track as a kid. So yeah, Monica hit the trifecta. But it wasn't just that. We both know it's never just that, you know, it was a whole, you know, Michael. But, you know, you but find did, out later you have but, all these other things. But were you, did you, you know, did your spirit, you know, get a little boost from that? Yeah. Yes, initially. Initially, yeah. 
Okay. It was like, yay, they know what's wrong with me. Never yes. having any idea what the hell was about to happen next. Yes. You know, like, because that's what happens. And, oh, you have a diagnosis of Lyme. Yay. And then they flood your sudden, system with like, antibiotics. Right. But then it's like most people didn't even think Lyme existed. You know, still, there's still a huge amount of people that don't even think Lyme exists. It's like, people, are, are you nuts? <laughs> are you living in you know or that you can't have chronic Lyme disease or you you know what's Bartonella well, or what so, so here's a story that'll be close to your heart and that's human nature it's like thousands and thousands of years ago Greek mathematicians fought to the death over the concept <laughs> of zero they would they killed each other because they were yep. that you know so human beings are just we just something gets in our brain and we'll defend it so, yes. you know, it's, it's whatever made us the way we are, you know, who, who, whatever, but it's, we, we do crazy things, you know, in, in retrospect, you know, 3000 years later, we're looking back and say, man, that's crazy. I would never kill something like that. But here we are doing the same thing with Lyme disease. It's like, there's, we're, we are fighting. And meanwhile, people are dying. They are dying. You know, I, I try not to do that whole fear based thing because I don't think it, it helps anybody you know there's so many sites right now and there's like even just on facebook and it's all scary crap you know and like mm -hmm. really does that really help anybody no you know it, it helps people to understand like the symptoms yes. are the same and they're not alone and but that whole scary part no that, that doesn't like i'm not really into that part well here's um, here's the thing here's the thing though i'm gonna defend that a little bit not a lot because i understand where you're coming from you're talking about therapeutically. Now, for people yeah. who don't have Lyme disease and really aren't paying attention to any of that stuff, because yeah. that's then, yeah. the only that's the only way to get the message through. Yeah, it's like if you like look at yeah, yeah, because yeah, oh, otherwise, you. otherwise you say, oh, there's this disease out there from ticks and they go, yeah, yeah, I, you know, I got a thousand other things to do. But people, oh, you know, it's, it's Ebola. I'm going to be bleeding out of my ears and my nose and out of my teeth. And that's really scary. And we don't want to get it or Zika virus. and my baby's going to look like, you know, something out of a, an alien flick. You know, all right. of a sudden that gets, unfortunately, that's how we get people's attention. You know? You, yeah, no, you, no, I agree. And then like I did the whole advocacy thing. Yeah. I won the Courage Award from Turn the Corner Foundation. Like I, I worked with the government. Advo advocates are amazing. I mean, because I had that clinical trial background, I did that for a while. Um, you know, those people are amazing because all they do is get attacked. All I did was get it to every time I opened my mouth, I was in the newspaper and my God, did I get attacked? <laughs> you know, like, but, and then I just got, I got tired of it. I, you know, I was a single mom with two kids and one of my kids had neurological Lyme also. So I just got so run down trying to constantly defend myself and the research and, and I can, like you clearly mentioned, I can go after the research. So no one, you know, and then you become like, you know, are you for the Lyme literate doctors? Are you for the infectious disease? Are you for this? Are you for that? I've just morphed into like a completely different perspective and a holistic perspective where I'm not like for anything. I'm for you getting well, you know, however that has to happen. Um I just know like with my, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. No, like, and I also... There, there, yeah, I also yeah. want to say I understand what you're saying too. It's like we, you know, just like you're saying this holistic thing. It's like we can't just dis 
you know, God, let's just get rid of fear. Well, that's just like saying, okay, let's just get rid of everybody's right arm. It's like fear. Yeah, no, the fear, know. the fear never goes away. Yeah. It never actually goes away. And it's interesting because as people get, as I get people like better, their fear actually increases at some point because like you have this constant thing where you're going to go back. You know, I, yes. I, I never want to go back there, right. you know, and all of a sudden, like you start to get better. The fear actually gets worse. Like your fear of going backwards gets worse because you're actually now there's doing something better. at stake. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's an interesting cycle. And then like the longer you're better, that fear finally starts to, to go away. But like, like I'll, I, I like had the neighbor, like brought their dog over the other day and I, I have a new technique for taking ticks off, you know, instead of using um, tweezers, I use like a wet Q-tip. Because I get them to back out so that somebody doesn't have to dig these nymphs out of these animals, people, or children. So anyway, it works pretty good, by the way. Anyway, when you, I took one of these, these nymphs, this, like, huge, disgusting, lovely, and, you know, engorged nymph tick off of, off of this dog for my neighbor. And she's like, well, what's in this thing? And I'm like, it just sucked the blood out of your dog, you know? <laughs> and I was like, I cut it. I literally took it and I cut it and I like, I put it on my, I put it on my site. So I guess that's kind of, that's kind of bordering on fear, but it was more for like an educate, like this is what this lovely picked up this tiny thing that you can't even see. This is what it's doing. Like, this is what's inside. So I like blew up the picture and I put it on my site. I did. I cut it in half with a, with a pocket knife. And took a picture of it and blew it up and put it on my site. And everybody's like, that's gross. And I was like, yeah, yeah, it is gross. Um, but again, it's like, it's important to understand, like, what is this engorged tick that's attached to me? Like, you just rip it off and throw it in the garbage? No. You know, this is like, again, understanding how it regurgitates. That whole two-day thing is such a bunch of crud, you know, like, that tick doesn't have to be on you for two days. Like. Um, one of my friends took my tick technique to, to remove them and he's like, Oh, can I, can I broadcast this all over the place? And I was like, sure, you know, it'll, it'll help people, you know, knock yourself out. Um, and he's like, well, do you have any idea if the people still got sick? And I'm like, I have no idea if the person still got sick. You don't have any idea from the time that thing bit you to the time you get it off. Like you have no, you have no idea if it regurgitated back into the animal, the person or whatever, you, you know, you just want, you want the tick off. And for me, it's a technique without, cause we both see like, Oh, you light them on fire. Or you oh, good God, like, no. oh my God, you don't do that. Yeah. You don't make the tick mad so that, you know, it regurgitates into the person. Like you want to get it off. If by the sheer luck of whatever, it didn't do that yet. And it just sucked the blood out of you. So anyway, um, so, but there is no way to know that it doesn't have to stay on you for two days. It doesn't have to, stay. this tick on this dog, we believe was on the dog for two hours, two hours. And it got that engorged. And if you saw that picture, you'd be like, Monica, that's gross. Um, that was two hours. So that wasn't two days. The tick wasn't crawling around in the person for two, the dog for two days, you know, that was two hours. So, so yeah. And, you yeah, know, there's, there's just a lot of bad, you know, the other thing is herxing. I just I want to mention that because I'm I'm vehemently against herxing. Why? Um, and that that whole mindset of herxing. Because I don't believe I believe when someone herxes that bad, I believe you're 
your detox pathways are now completely clogged. You know, like, so you have that whole mindset too. kill, 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 kill the bugs and I'll get better faster. That's so not true. You know, you're going to put yourself in the emergency room. You might jump off the roof. You're going to have horrific emotional pain. God knows what the symptoms are that are going to result from that, but they're not going to be good. So what I try to do is slowly, you know, eliminate the symptoms, slowly eliminate the, the whatever, whether it's the Lyme, Bartonella, Babesia, whatever, Mycopod, whatever we're working on, but do it in a way that you can still function as a human being. You're not in excruciating pain. You don't have this die-off reaction that has you on the ground screaming, like, please kill me, because I did that to myself, So, because that's what I believed. I believed, like, okay, because that's what I was told, you know take these four antibiotics and, you know, hit this as hard as you possibly can and you'll get faster, better. And no, you don't get faster, better. You do damage to your psyche. You do damage to your soul, for goodness sake. You do damage to everything. You lose body parts. Yeah, yes, I've lost several. <laughs> I've lost several organs. I always say, like, I got no more left to take right now. Like, we've, we've hit a point where we need to stop, you know. Um, yeah, I have those conversations, like, with God, like, Seriously, like, do we need to take my gallbladder out, you know? Interestingly enough, when they did take my gallbladder out, it was filled with rosepin stones. There was nothing else in my gallbladder other than 58 rosepin stones. So don't tell me that that stuff doesn't get clogged in your body, because it does. But anyway, her thing to me is, like, your die-off reaction, you know, you build up a cytokine reaction, you're trying to actually eliminate, you know, dead bugs, for lack of a better description and i and i equate it to like a, a a sink drain that's the best way to explain it to a human being here's here's the drain you're killing off stuff so fast that it can't get it can't get out of the drain so what's happening it's backing up and what's happening is it's backing up it's actually getting reabsorbed back into your bloodstream so you're not actually getting rid of it you are actually causing yourself more of a cytokine storm and you're causing yourself more pain and more suffering and it is going right back into your bloodstream. So there has to be a way to regulate that type of die-off so that you can actually get it the heck out of your body so you can detox properly and, and you don't see that like I can't tell you 99% of the time you don't see that. And you know that as well as I do. We see people being given like all kinds of things without any regard to the hurts that they have. And some of these hurts reactions are horrific. I mean, they are horrific. I, I did put myself in the ER three times, five, five times, five times doing that. So I know it is stupid as heck. You know, and then I start researching and learning, and I don't even know how many certifications. Like, we've both taken a lot of training. You know, I've taken some training with you. Um, you know, and we, we studied the Black Plague at one point, you know. <laughs> so it's like, you know, you try to study as many things as you can to understand, and I think you have the same kind of personality that I do. Is like, we'll never stop. So it's just, like, it's part of, like, who we are, too, like, I never think I'm going to know enough. So I'm just like, I just want to learn more and more and more. And like, so that's just part of my personality. That's not necessarily like, 
everybody's like, well, you don't have to get another degree. You don't, but it's not about that. It's just about, I want to learn more and I want to understand more and I want to be able to help more. So unfortunately, my daughter also, like I said, like this isn't, wasn't just for me getting myself. Well, my daughter had neurological Lyme, so I had to get my daughter well too. So we do have to stop. However, Okay. <laughs> we we're going to we're going to have to continue this conversation cuz we we got through at, at the, kind of as I mapped it out of my mind say well, we'll do kind of this introduction and then we'll get into a little bit more about how you address patients but we just dipped our toe in that so we'll we'll continue this. I do have okay. guests that come back more than once and you're going to be one of them. It's been a delightful conversation. And before we go, Monica, I want to give you a chance to let people know how to get in touch with you. If they're oh, sure. interested in picking your brain or becoming <laughs> a, a client of yours. Uh, sure. I have, you know, I have some, a Facebook group and it's called uh, Dr. Monica Bruin, a holistic Lyme practitioner. So, you know, it's open. You're welcome to join that. I have a closed group, too, where I, you know, kind of lead the people into the type of people that want to learn more about holistic kinds of stuff. They, they kind of go in there versus the general business page. Um, and then I have my website. So you're always welcome to go on my website, which is um, it's Pond Brook Holistic Health. And it's spelled P-O-N-D. Brooke is B-R-O-O-K, holistichealth.com. Or you could actually just do my name. You could do www.drmonicabruin.com. And Bruin is spelled B as in boy, R-U-E-N-N, like Nancy, Nancy.com. And, and like people that want a different approach you know, that we're soaked in antibiotics or whatever they've done. Cause we both know people do desperate things and I don't knock anybody. Like I'm, I'm of the, like if rhino urine works for you knock yourself out, you know, like I just don't want anybody to hurt themselves. Um, but yes, like if somebody wants a, a different kind of approach, um, one that like actually addresses their entire body, you know, and emotional and, physical and talks about food and herbs and all that's that's my approach and again it's it's a non-hurting type you know i still want you to have your life so that's that's the whole thing like you want the person to be happy and and have a life and that's the whole thing is to get their life back and the other thing i just want to leave everybody with is like don't ever work with anyone that tells you like you need to accept your illness Run, just just run, <laughs> just run. Is, I don't care who you end up with. Just you don't have to accept being sick. You want to get well, and you need to fight to get well. You need to listen to yourself. You know what's inside your heart, what's inside your soul, and find the right person that's going to believe in you, listen to you, have a voice, and and get well. Like you, you can get well. I got well. You can get well period. So thank you, McKay. I appreciate the opportunity to come on here. You're very, very welcome. It was a pleasure. I loved listening to Monica's story 
And, you know, she said something about back when she was really sick. What she really wanted to hear was that somebody as sick as her got better. And I think that's really important and really... That's one of the big reasons we do Lime Ninja Radio. Yeah. And we can reach out across the internet, talk to people who've been really, really sick and have turned their lives around. There is hope. It is possible to turn this thing around. It's not easy. Not easy to get a diagnosis. Not easy to find a practitioner to work with. But when you do, it's possible to turn this around. And the most important, I think, is a fighting spirit, a Lime Ninja spirit that you don't give up and just keep every day Little bit, little bit, little bit. The small wins will accumulate over time. And you'll look back and say, wow, I've come a long, long way. If you like what you're doing here at Lime Ninja Radio, please share this interview with a friend. And if you uh, really like what we're doing, head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. And if you really, really like what we're doing, consider becoming a Lime Ninja patron. Just head on over to our new homepage, www.limeninjaradio.com, and look for the Patreon link. Aurora and I fund this podcast with micro-donations on Patreon.com. We prefer this method over accepting advertisements because it keeps our voice independent. Nobody owns us, and we think that's rare and special. In our own little way, we're making the world a better place for people with tick-borne diseases, and your contribution helps us stay inspired and motivated to do just that. So head on over to our homepage, LimeNinjaRadio.com, and look for the Patreon link under the How Can We Help You section. It is that easy. And I'd like to welcome our newest patrons, Meredith, Melina, and Lisa. By the way, if you donate at the $10 level, we'll send you a copy of our top 10 transcripts. And if you have any feedback for us, new topic here, please send it to feedback at LimeNinjaRadio.com. We take suggestions for interviews, constructive criticism, love mail. Questions, comments, concerns. Even hate mail. So send it to feedback (laughs) at LimeNinjaRadio.com. We read everything and we try to respond to as much as we can. Also, if you don't know your Lime score yet, do yourself a favor and head on over to LimeNinjaRadio.com. Scroll down and you'll see the big red button. Fill out the Lime Ninja Symptom Tracker. It's free. And lastly, as you longtime Lime Ninjas know, this podcast would not be complete unless we left you with the Lime Ninja Fact of the Day. Did you know, if you spell ninja in Scrabble, you win. Lime Ninja Radio is a purely public broadcast and is not intended to be personalized medical advice for any individual's specific situation. Each individual's medical situation is unique and Lime Ninja Radio should not be relied upon and or considered as personalized medical advice. Lime Ninja Radio is not licensed to render medical advice and should be considered simply the public opinion of Lime Ninja Radio and its guests. Recommendations on specific treatment options are not intended to address any listener's particular medical situation. As always, contact your physician before considering any new treatment.